this opportunity again just to come before you and worship, uh, to hear your word, Lord God, and not just have big ears. Father, we confess to you right now that some of us, all that we are, are nothing but dumbos. That our ears are big, but our hands and our feet are microscopic. Because we never take what we hear and put it into action with our hands and our feet. Uh, teach us not to have uh, humongous ears, tiny, itsy-bitsy hands and feet. Let us walk according to your way. So, Father, we submit ourselves to your word today. We want to thank you for it in advance, how you build us up, Lord God, because we know the enemy will not be victorious in our life. Now, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I owe, I owe, it's off to work. What? <laughs> it's very interesting, uh, our perception of debt. The money that we owe, the bills that we make, seems like we are always under obligation. In fact, recently it was reported that one Chicago suburb owed the city of Chicago over uh, $26 million because of unpaid fees and fines due to a water bill dating back years. That suburb decided that it would not pay those fees, acting like it was not under contract, acting as if they weren't under obligation. I want to ask you, what would happen to you if you stopped paying your bills for a year? They were under contract and under, under obligation to provide uh, water uh, to their citizens as well as citizens of other surrounding communities. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, in court, uh, the judge gave that suburb about 45 days to pay $26 million. That suburb's leadership felt uh, they had good reasons for not paying those fees. I heard the leader said, well, uh, you can't think that in order for us to pay these fees, we have to raise the rate on our own citizens. But they were asking, well, what did you all do with all that money for all those years anyway? I didn't want to hear that. But the judge said, well, as I listen to your argument, uh, I have uh, decided that you get about 45 days and your excuses are not good enough. You are therefore under obligation to pay what you owe. You know, sometimes our rationale for trying to free ourselves from some obligation is really amazing. It's really amazing as I consider some people who say, I ain't got no money, uh, but yet they drive around in nice, really nice cars. Uh, uh, they don't have any money, but yet they have a $200 a month cable bill. I don't have any money for my kids, but yet uh, we got six cell phones with all the bells and the whistles. Every person, however, on this planet, 
has been or is under obligation to the flesh or to sin. It is a contract that we all have signed by birth. So the moment that we step foot, any part of our skin, any part of us have set foot in this planet, we instantly are under contract. The problem for us is that we, in no way, we will never be able to pay the high bill that's due. So by default, we are under some obligation to the flesh. Yeah, that's right. You and I have been or are under obligation to the sin of the flesh. We try to make excuses why we shouldn't pay. But there's a judge that says that uh, you have no good reasons and that your reasons are not valid and you are under obligation to the flesh. And then not only that, you will still have to stand before me. So today, we're going to take a look at three reasons why we are no longer under obligation. Sin, if indeed we are in Christ Jesus. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 12. Romans chapter 8, verse 12. Paul, he writes, See then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters. By whom we cry, Abba, Father. Back to verse 12. Paul clearly says here, brothers and sisters, he says we are debtors, but he says not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. We are not obligated to live in the sinful way. Again, we think of, uh, of a debt. Uh, we think of owing someone something for a service that has been rendered. Therefore, when someone has done something for us, we often feel obligated to pay them back, right? If you are dealing with business transactions, oftentimes what we do is we go get a merchandise and we pay them back with what? Money or that plastic card. If you are involved in politics, then typically it's a favor rendered for a favor. In our passage, there is a connection with being obligated, but being obligated to the flesh. So being debtors to the flesh, we're being obligated by this law to accomplish on the one hand, a spiritual action. A spiritual action. So in other words, in other words, uh, I'm trying to get across here, there, there's two ways of looking at the flesh, right? On the one hand, it is the flesh according to our actions. Uh, we make ourselves saved by the actions that we do. On the other hand, we can look at flesh over here as this thinking where is all the sinful activity that we do can also be the flesh. 
Well, again, on the one hand, this is what I do uh, so you can operate in the flesh. And on the other hand, uh, this is what we do, and by doing what we do, it's automatically sin. In either case, both of that is oper operating in the flesh. But this is, uh, regardless of how you view this, it is problematic. It is problematic because when your mind is set upon the flesh, uh, we, you, all of us, we do not submit ourselves to God. In fact, Romans chapter 8, verse 7. Romans 8, 7 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it, it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So regardless of how you look at the flesh, whether you are talking about in terms of, of, of earning your salvation, whether you're thinking about operating in sin, either way it goes, it becomes hostile to God. Paul's point, however, in Romans chapter 8, verse 12, where we are, is that we are not driven by the operations of the flesh in whichever form that it takes. We are not driven by the flesh in achieving our salvation. We are not driven by the flesh with sinful action, if indeed you are in Christ Jesus. So in order for that to be true, you must know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, then you are operating in the flesh. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. See, when Jesus Christ saves us, right? When he saves us. As you enter in any type of contract, first thing that you have, you have to say, yes, I'm going to agree to the contract. But then once the contract is enforced, it is enforced. But particularly with uh, the covenant of God, uh, with our salvation, our eternal life, uh, what does it take for us to be saved and to say, stay saved? It's only Jesus Christ and the work of the cross. You cannot... How many times have I said this? You cannot keep yourself saved. You cannot get yourself saved. Only Jesus Christ does it. You see, I'm saying this because I want you to be free. You see, some of us are, are walking around here thinking that if I don't do, if I don't do, if I don't do, then I draw myself further and further from God. But God says, I've already done the work for you. All you have to do is to receive my grace. Receive it. But back in our passage, verse 12, the passage seems to imply that since we are not debtors to the flesh, then we must be debtors to something else. Read that. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, it almost sounds like, then, what are we debtors to? Right? Amen? But you have to grow comfortable with the way they write in these ancient writings sometimes. Paul is not trying to make a comparison here at this point. All he's simply saying is that you are not debtors to the flesh. Period. You're not debtors to the flesh. You don't owe anything to the flesh. That is the point. All that sinfulness that you're doing in your life, 
uh, you owe nothing to sinfulness. And since you don't owe anything to the flesh, then you are not obligated to do what your flesh wants to do. Uh, you know what your flesh wants to do. Come on now. You know what it wants to do. It wants to say, go ahead and do that stuff. You have no business doing. Ain't nobody going to know. The flesh says, go ahead. You got it. I can keep a secret. The flesh no longer rules you. Neither does it possess any power over you. So don't fall prey to the commands of the flesh. But I know you're saying, but pastor, I'm weak. And every time I try to lift myself up, that old nasty flesh of mine, that it snatches me back down. But guess what? God gives you power. He gives you the ability through his spirit to endure to the end. Galatians 5 verse 19. Galatians 5 verse 19. What are some of the works of the flesh? Paul says here, Galatians 5 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. In other words, you want to see what sinful flesh looks like? Paul says, do you want to see what it looks like? Well, here it is. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. What does that mean? Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So Paul says in that last section, I want you to know that my list is not exhausted. I want you to know that uh, just because you're sin, you're operating in the flesh, that activity is not on here. I want you to know that I'm talking about you still. If Paul was living today, I can imagine him probably saying, also looking at stuff on the internet you ain't got no business looking at. And one of the most dangerous things is that uh, also people having these individual phones too. But I want you to remember this. Once you get yourself out there, you can't get yourself back in. You hear what I'm saying, brothers and sisters? Once you get yourself out there, you cannot pull yourself back in. Because somebody somewhere is recording everything you're looking at. Everything you're looking at. You, you'll look up. You, you'll be done, done something a couple of years ago. And somebody be done hacked into your record and said, look at this right here, what they were doing. See, these are the works of the flesh. But what is your flesh trying to tell you? Your flesh is trying to say, those sinful actions are saying that Jesus has not displaced me as king over your life. The flesh is like hanging chads. Hanging chad says, I know you have laws, but I'm going to try to make an excuse for myself so I can win. 
The flesh says, uh-uh, on uh, uh, Jesus. No, 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 no. Uh, you can't have Jesus as Lord of your life because I'm still Lord of your life. It's very interesting that every organization has a leader. Whether it is uh, implicit or explicit, it doesn't make a difference. Whether it's clear or unclear, every single organization has a leader. See, that flesh doesn't want to give up. Your flesh demands a recount. It is insisting that it deserves to rule over you, all because it has been with you from the very beginning. The flesh says, uh-uh, hold on, wait a minute. You, Jesus, can't come into this picture because I have been there with them through thick and thin. Let them live in the flesh. But I'm here to tell you that if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Christ, that you don't have to listen to that voice. And here is the first reason why. Number one. We live according to the Spirit. Live according to the Spirit, says, says Paul. Verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, he says, you will live. Our flesh has nothing to offer us but death. Tells us again, if we live according to the flesh, that we will certainly die. The command given to Adam, think about it. Uh, at the tree, uh, the God told Adam and Eve that every day will be Thanksgiving for you. You can eat all this stuff that I've given you. You can eat and be full, Adam and Eve. That you can be content and you don't have to, you don't need anything else. But then God says, uh, but this one tree, just don't eat of it. Because if you eat of that tree, uh, you're going to die. The Lord told Adam that if he ate that tree, uh, not just that he would die, the scripture says what there in Genesis 2.17? It says that he will what? Surely die. But now, check it out, in Romans 8.13, it says that if you live according to the flesh, you will what? All right, you're not looking at the passage. Romans 8.13, it says that if you live according to the flesh, you will what? You will die. Well, come on, I know most of you, like myself, you've read Genesis. You've read this story about Adam. And you know exactly what happened with Adam. Adam and Eve ate of the tree and they didn't die. We didn't see them drop dead. Well, not only that, well, Paul, you're saying that, that if we live according to the flesh that we're going to die? Wait a minute. I, got, I know people all over the place. They ain't dead. They are not dead. As a matter of fact, they look like they're having more fun in life than I am. And I'm a follower of Jesus. So what gives? In both cases, we see that when you are disobedient to the word of God, when you are disobedient to God, that you become separated from him because of our decisions. In Adam's case, I believe it did absolutely begin physical death on this earth. It did begin physical death, uh, but it happened sometime later. It wasn't instantaneous. But it did happen. 
But it mainly created a spiritual divide between all of humankind and our Lord. So living according to the flesh as well, it creates a spiritual detachment because Jesus is holy. A permanent rift now is created when we live the way that we want to live. There is nothing but bad news when we live according to the flesh. But it seems like there's sometimes living to the, uh, according to the flesh, it feels good to us. It feels good, God, so why should I take all of my joy and sacrifice it and give it to you? God says that we can put the works of the flesh to death by living according to the Spirit. Pastor says that you will live you will live, and it, it promises what we all really want, and that is life. I was listening to a story uh, last night and uh, on this particular podcast. Uh, they were talking about looking for planets. Uh, again, I may have discussed this before, but looking for planets in which they can actually set up shop. They are actively doing this. They're trying to figure out what's the best planet that they can go and set up shop and so mankind can start on a different planet as we destroy this one. Right? See, bottom line is when we live according to the flesh, just destruction is in our hands. But God, he, he promised us life. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, same thing in John chapter 3, verse 36. John 3 and 36, he says this. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. The words of Jesus helps to bring into focus that not living or perishing, or dying is a constant threat to us. You know what I mean? It always becomes uh, something in the back of our mind. And we know everyone who wants to live, uh, they want to live a long time. I used to, when me and my friends were kids, we used to ask, how long do you want to live? We said like 300 and 400, 500 years old, 900 years old. And as you get a little older, like in your 20s, when you get a little older, then you begin to say to yourself, well, I just I, I want to live where the quality of my life is always good. Why? Because this, this threat of death is always at the forefront or the back front of our minds. So what is set out before us is this choice between living and dying. As a matter of fact, it's very interesting that, uh, uh, that Yahweh, that he said the same thing. And Yahweh is the Lord, if you're wondering who Yahweh is today. Says the same thing to the Hebrews as he delivered them. At Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26. Deuteronomy eleven twenty-six. God says here to the Hebrews, See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, 
And in verse 28, and the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. See, God was telling them that you have a choice between living really good or living really bad. If you're a follower of Christ, you must remember who rescued you from death. Shown in your daily response to that truth. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, uh, it is uh, now time to decide how you will invest in your life. People consider how they need to invest in their retirement and their children or a sudden windfall of money. Uh, we make our five and ten year plans with the hopes that our efforts will, play, will, will pay off. But scripture tells us to commit and decide about our future because our future will soon be here. Again, I just keep reflecting on the fact of how quickly this past year has gone past. Man, I just, as I told you earlier, Elam today, it seemed like when I was a kid, it seemed like the hands on the clock would just go, like it would take a minute for the second hand to go, geesh, like that. I remember being a kid, uh, sitting at Hookway Elementary School, waiting on 315. And it seemed like once that clock made it to 3 o'clock, it seemed like those 15 minutes could have been almost like two hours. It was nuts. What will your spiritual investments net you? Will you invest in spiritual junk bonds? Oh yeah, they're cheap and they're fast and offer plenty of possibility, but it will cost you your life. So reason number one, we are not under obligation to the flesh to obey it is because... If you are a believer, you live according to the Spirit. What is the second reason? Second reason, we are God's children. Romans 8, verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit of God leads every child of God. In fact, uh, this is again an allusion to Israel's or Hebrews' experience in the wilderness. Uh, turn with me to Exodus chapter 40, verse 36. Exodus 40, verse 36, where it says, Whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. See, in the wilderness, uh, the children of Israel were led by a cloud. They were led by a fire. But if you are in Jesus Christ, you are led by the spirits. You see, even though the Israelites, that God delivered them, amen, God delivered them uh, out of the clutches of the adversary, out of Egypt. But that wasn't it because they had not yet made it where they needed to be. They were trying to make it to their promised land. So uh, they needed something to get them to this promised land. And being delivered for us is simply not always enough. Because we have trials. We have battles. We have temptations. 
that we face just like Israel did, just because we are God's children. Again, while we don't have the cloud and while we don't have the fire, we do have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And to be led by the Spirit means we must take time to hear what the Spirit says. You see, if you don't wake up in the morning and see that cloud hovering over your head, then you need to take time to be with God. If you're living your life and you don't see that fire just saying, come this way, then you need to spend time with God. If you don't spend time with God, how do you know which way to go? The Spirit wants to speak to us. And oftentimes it is through that still, quiet voice. Being led by the Spirit means you are a child of God. You are a child of God if you are led by the Spirit. Spirit of God has an influence on you, uh, something like your parents did when you were younger. You know, your parents, they teach you what to do and what don't, uh, what don't to do, and sometimes you forget those lessons, especially when it was good, and then you move on to your life, right? Amen? And then what ends up happening is that uh, you start hearing your parents speaking to you. Oh, yeah, I remember when, when my father, when my mother said, don't do this or don't do that. Oh, yeah, I remember when they said it. And sometimes when you're a kid, you're not even paying attention. But see, what we do is the Spirit works through us in His Word. So we have to take this Word and we have to internalize His Word as well. So believers do not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. He says here, verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back Interfere. A person who has not committed themselves to Christ lives in a state of slavery, but a person who belongs to Christ is set free. You are in Christ. This again is reminiscent of the Israelites who were under the yoke of slavery, the bondage had been broken. But what happened was life began to get hard for them. Some had such difficulties walking through the challenges, they believe, began to believe that life was better when they were sinners. But what they have forgotten as well was that slavery was relentless and it refused to let us go. Numbers, chapter 11, verse 5, you have to see this. And there are moments when we think that when we're in slavery, we do have it made because we don't have any other responsibilities. So there's this perceived happiness. Numbers 11.5. This is what they said when they were in the wilderness now. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. We had, we had all that fish that Pharaoh gave us, and it didn't cost us a dime. Then they said the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. Well, I, I'm not sure about you, but uh, when I think about that, those wouldn't be the things on my list. But my list would probably include something like ice cream. Oh, yeah, I remember all the ice cream. And probably our list would probably also include, I remember when we had air conditioning. Or I remember when we didn't have to, uh, we didn't have to go and, and heat, uh, heat our water if we wanted hot water. We didn't have to do all that. 
You see, when we were back in slavery, when we're reflecting upon it, sometimes it's not as unpleasant as once we get out of it. We think that it wasn't all that bad. But our memories, much like the Hebrews, they're selective. Our memories are selective. Because sometimes we choose only to remember certain things. We forget about what it cost us in terms of our relationships. You remember. Oh yeah, you remember when you were in sin and you know you didn't treat some people right and you know you messed some stuff up. You remember, uh, even in your employment, what it cost you because all because you were too prideful to listen to your boss. You remember that money that you just blew on just nonsense and that you wish you could get it back. Nonsense. And in some cases, that sin even cost you your health. And from so, for some folks, even their lives. For some reason, those things slip our mind, but we remember about the onions and the garlic and the melons and the cucumbers, right? Oh, that was good. Yet the end game while in sin is bondage. There's fear and there's uncertainty about your eternal future. When we are without Christ, yeah, we had our plans in place, but many of us were not troubled about putting an eternal plan together. You see, you never have to be concerned about eternity if all you can conceive of is right now. If your mind is only focused on right now and think this is all that there is, the future is nothing to you. But what happens when you leave this earth? As a child of God, you never again need to be concerned about continuing to live in fear because you are no longer a servant doing the bidding of the flesh. Verse 15, if you are in Christ, you are adopted as God's legitimate child. You are adopted as God's legitimate child. Uh, one thing I love about scripture, you, you, you know, in some communities, right, uh, when you have uh, what they call blended families, you know, they're not the kid of so-and-so, that's not, no, that's so-and-so, and all this other stuff, so therefore there's my step-so-and-so, my step-daddy, my step-brother, my step-sister, uh, you, know, you know how all that goes, right? It's really cool that even though the scripture says that we have been adopted, that God just calls us his child. God calls us his son. God calls us his, his daughter. Yeah, you are adopted in, but once that blood of Jesus Christ comes over and in you and through you, God looks at you as his son or as his daughter. And for this reason, we can celebrate and praise the Lord and say, thank you, Jesus. The Spirit bears witness with ours that you are God's child. So believers live according to the Spirit and we are God's children. What is the third reason we don't have to obey the flesh? Here it is. We are God's heirs and fellow heirs with Christ. Romans 8, 17. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Oh yeah, there are benefits 
for being God's child. Uh, chapter 1 of Ephesians says that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the spiritual places. That's a lot. I don't, I don't even know what, what all of that is. I can give you uh, some idea what some of that is, uh, but, but part of this blessings that we have is that we are eternally connected with God and we have eternal life. Paul makes an inference here in 817. It would be like saying, uh, if it rained heavily outside, then the ground must be wet. So the inference that Paul makes is, since you are God's child, because you are God's son or his daughter, you are an heir. Right? It didn't say you're going to be an heir one day. You are an heir. You are an heir. But yet I know it don't feel like you're an heir. You know, when we think of heir, we think of royalty and kings and queens and sons living in the castle. They don't feel like that. It doesn't look like that. We don't feel like that, like an heir, because it appears that the believer and an unbeliever alike go through the same trials and successes of life. But listen to this, Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. Listen to this, Galatians 4 and 1. Paul says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. You see that? Read that again. I mean that an heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary uh, principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as sons, as daughters, as children. You see, it, it all feels the same to us. But just because you ain't got it in the pocket don't mean you don't have it. Amen? Uh, I know uh, some of you uh, that you have a lot more money than what you got in your pocket now, right? Come on. Uh, I know you got those debit cards or anything else, cards or CDs, whatever the case may be. You have more than what you have on your person now, right? Uh, you can talk about, well, I have, every, I have everything I need because uh, uh, I, I have this, uh, this card with me, so I have everything that I need right here. But this ain't nothing. This ain't nothing. If someone decides not to recognize this, this ain't nothing. Now, all I'm saying is simply this. You possess more than what's on your person now. So if you are an heir of God, and if you are a fellow heir with Jesus Christ, you have more than what you are walking in right now. That God has spiritual blessing that the world knows not of, but God recognizes you because of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you. 
So therefore, you can live in victory. You can live in contentment to know that I no longer have to follow the dictates of the flesh. That I no longer have to walk around worried because I am led by God's Spirit. I am a child of God and that I am an heir of God and a fellow heir with Jesus Christ. Therefore, I have everything I need. Why? Because God has given it to me. You are no longer under obligation. All your debt has been wiped clean. And it wasn't wiped clean by 1-800-FREE-DEBT. Jesus Christ has delivered us. So I want you to know today that you are victorious, not because of yourself, but because of Christ, the victor. I want you to know that you have been set free and I want you to live and walk in that reality and when that flesh starts to come up, you say, I'm led by the Spirit, get behind me. I want you to say uh, that I am God's child, uh, that I am better than what you're trying to pull me down into. And that I am an heir through Christ Jesus. Amen? Let's pray.